This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com, where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Thursday afternoon edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. William R. Washington of RBR Wrestling is here. William, good afternoon, sir. How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm actually in the Eastern Time Zone for a change, mm. so. It's, it's interesting. I don't know how you guys. I don't know how you guys do this. Like, wait, wait, wait. Uh, you know, I've, I've been out west all my life, and so like, you know, when I watch pro wrestling, um, it's over by eight o'clock, and I've still got like a good portion of my evening left. Whereas like here, it's over at ten. It's, when I watch Raw, it's over at eleven, and like that's it. That's that's the night. Um. Well, see, I'm a weirdo, and I am. I have no family and kids, so I can do your yours is a little bit more complicated. And also, don't you get up like super early for work? So that complicates yeah. things too. So you can't go up late, right? Right, and like uh, the other thing I don't get is how how any of the kids on this side of the country because like who could stay up to watch this? Um. Well, a I would never encourage any young child to watch the three hour Raws. Um, that's just bad parenting. True. So I would never, never encourage anything <laughs> of that nature. But um, I, I don't know. That's a good question. I think on Wednesdays, um, kids will stay. Like, it's not too late. Ten's not that bad. Um, eight to ten is not bad. But um, I don't know. Like, I for me, I, uh, I record everything. And then I watch <laughs> it either really late that night or I watch it super early the next morning, depending on how tired I am. So, like, last night, I watched Dynamite starting at 11.30, my time. And then I was uh-huh. done by about <laughs> 2, because I was pausing. See, and, like, yeah. this sounds awful. <laughs> like, imagine where I am. Starts at 6, done at 8, do a podcast about it at 8, and then I'm done with the podcast by 11. And even still, I've got a little bit more time. I'm not disagreeing with you that, like, sports want <laughs> to be... Um, ingested on the west coast like la people i'm so envious of their weekends when football was here because like just having um <laughs> like a, a sunday night football game end at like eight o'clock their time 
is just ridiculous to me because like then you can write about the entire day and you have this whole evening ahead of you like by the time Saturday Night Football rolls around for me like I've already done Mm -hmm. like nine to ten hours and now I'm looking at a full 12 hour day and then I got to start it all over to like on Monday so yeah sports is really hard to do on the east coast because we're always staying up super late and uh we don't it's hard to make night plans like if you're on the west coast you can wrap up like a primetime game for us at five o'clock so you can just go to dinner like you're holding yeah. out of you it's <laughs> bullshit yeah i i will never get used to this uh as long, and i lived in the eastern times for a little while i will still never get used to this i am i'm a west coast baby and i will keep myself out there as long as i foreseeably can well you can go to hell um <laughs> uh well i will see you there sir absolutely i think we've we both punched our tickets um th- there's a certain yeah. number of chris benoit jokes that you laugh at bef- like when you're just like i'm too far gone it's <laughs> over like if they're yeah. maxwell's honestly responsible for all of this um uh, because uh-huh. too many of those you're just like you're on the list like it's over you can't get out of it yeah, the, as soon as you get to that gate and they just they pull out the little um, clipboard, and they're like, well, so it turns out. Mm-hmm. You've laughed at a Chris Benoit <laughs> dead family joke seven times just in the last six months. And uh, unfortunately, we're just uh, this is not going to work out because um, I just don't think Chris Benoit jokes are part of the part of the process in heaven but that's just me um i'm not an expert so i could be wrong um which naturally leads us in to AEW dynamite um that's what we call a scene. fight for the fallen yeah fight for the fallen like a lot of get like we have a lot of names and then i was you know what's funny during the show i was like second guessing myself because i was like wait is this fighter fest or fight for the fallen like i kept going back and forth where i'm like are my notes wrong didn't they say fight for the fallen to start off am i crazy <laughs> what are we doing and um I think if they just called these shows Dynamite, people would just be as excited. I, I don't know if these actually make a difference, calling it Great American uh, Bash. I think they had, them, they had them too close together. I do think that like doing... Um, I, I think they're a good idea for a company that doesn't have monthly pay-per-views. Um, yeah. It gives them kind of something to lead up to. Like If you're going to do the pay-per-views quarterly, then you should have like a major show um, every few almost like every month because like that's honestly what it was going to end up being where they had you know january was bash at the beach and then february was the actual pay-per-view revolution march was supposed to be blood and guts and then um i'm not sure what they would have done in april in that case but of course they didn't even tape in april they did uh all of those were the nightmare factory shows and then may was double or nothing June should have been Fighter Fest, but it ended up getting uh, delayed. And then July would have been Fight for the Fallen. And then August, September would end up being um, all out. So, like, they do, they are on track, or they would have been on track to do, like, a monthly thing. And then, obviously, COVID just blew all of that up. Yeah. Well, there's a couple things I wanted to get your take on, Will, from this, this okay. night of wrestling. I thought the show, by and yes. large, was, was positive. Um, I think it was a good show. Uh-huh. I don't think it was as good as last week, but I led what I wrote about today on, I don't know if you caught this. Um, I haven't listened to this week's RBR yet, and I don't know if you made a note of this on the broadcast, but they spent so much time building up Sunny Kiss versus Cody, right? Like this was the highlight outside of Cage Moxley, obviously. Like this was something that like, th- this is a big deal. They were doing a big thing and she comes out, he comes out with the um, Jaguar cheerleaders 
everything. Like, it's a big deal. They open the show with this. They really want Sunny Kiss to have a great, just kind of debut big match. Mm -hmm. Less than one minute into the match, JR says, quote, it should be an easy win for the champion. I I mean, so... I don't understand. That just buried every. It was just so stupid. And I'm just like, why are people watching then? What are we doing? Why did you spend all this time doing this if you're just going to say, should be an easy win for the champion? Like, you just dismissed everything that just led up to this this fight. It's just, I compared it to Sunday Night Football. Like, if Al Michaels, they just do this amazing video package for Patriots Bills, and the Bills are having a bad season. And then Al Michaels, as the kickoff is happening, goes, yeah, I think the Patriots should uh, go ahead and win big tonight. You're like, what? What? The game hasn't even started. Can we just watch? <laughs> Why am I watching this? If the, the so I will say on. that it, I will say that in Jr's defense, I think that's not necessarily a bad storytelling statement to make if you're looking at it from the perspective of like Cody walks in and I believe he only has one singles loss this year. Like they and they put the record up on the screen. Whereas I believe also Sonny Kiss has no singles wins. All of Sonny Kiss's wins have been in tag team victories, but otherwise he's lost every singles match, I think, total, other than I think he beat Peter Avalon last year at Fight for the Fall. I mean um, he had fifteen matches and I was stunned by that. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, it does. Okay. Uh, but otherwise, you know, he's lost plenty and Cody has won plenty. And so by that logic, uh, if you were going straight off the stats as like an actual sports commentator would, that is a statement you would make. And so like, I think the story was supposed to be that, uh, on paper, this is a walk in the park for Cody, but then the match ended up being a lot more competitive than he thought it was going to be. Yeah, I just... I don't know. When you're trying to set up someone as a new big card <laughs> person that should matter, this is not what you... Like, I think it would have made sense if you did this for Peter Avalon. Or, like, mm-hmm. he sucks. And clearly sucks. And will always suck. And we don't need I love Peter Avalon, by the way. He's so great. He's fine, but he should never win a match. Like, Peter Avalon oh, yeah, should absolutely. never win a professional wrestling match. <sighs> or even, like, Brandon Cutler or something. Like, Well, that that's, makes- that's why they're... But I love the fact that Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon are feuding on Dark, because, like, <laughs> Eventually, that has to lead to one of them getting a victory. The question yes. is just who. What is the velocity uh, comparison? I, who is the most velocity version of this in 2003 WWE? Um, I don't even know. I don't know if there's any comparison because, like, I don't think they had somebody who loses that hard. Uh, but also, like, Peter Avalon is like hilarious. I think that dude is very, very good at the comedy he puts on, mm. and uh. Like, I wasn't sure because I didn't know anything about it. Maxwell was, like, very well-versed in it. So, like, when the librarian stuff first came out and everybody's like, ugh, the librarians. But Maxwell, the only person I knew who was like, I love Peter Avalon and I think this could actually be pretty okay. And I think Maxwell was right. Like, Peter Avalon turned out to be, he's got such great comedic timing. Um, I love to stick in live crowds. But anyway, we're talking about Dynamite. Well, no, Um, that matters in, like, that context. But, like, he should... Like, the context of a professional wrestling match, if he gets put in a position to challenge Cody for the TNT title, that's when you say something like that. But when you want people to take this person seriously, you don't bury it right away. Like, it's just... (laughs) Thankfully, the match was good. And I think Sonny actually got a better match out of Cody than most of the other people he's worked with this year, which I think was a a surprise. What helps, and maybe this is my tinfoil hat, um, 
coming into play, but it feels like more and more each week, Cody is leaning more and more into a heel turn. And I say that because, uh, first off, every match he's worked uh, thus far in the TNT challenge has been against the baby face. I don't think he's faced a heel yet. If I'm not, Oh, Jackson or Jake Hager yeah. um, is I think the one, but other than and that, he faced jungle Arthur, boy. Right. Um, no, that wasn't a challenge. Okay. Uh, Cause like I'm saying like from the time he started uh, at, taking on challengers, you know, he, he took on jungle boy. He took on Mark, um, Quinn. Mark Quinn. Yeah. And here, uh, sunny kiss. Like, There's someone else. Uh, Oh, Ricky Starks. Is it? Oh yeah, Ricky Starks, um, who now is a heel. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, ever since somebody on Twitter pointed it out that heels come out of the left side, yeah, heels come out of the left side, and baby faces come out of the right side, yeah. I never stopped noticing. It now it's all I see. I'm like, okay, this person's a heel, clearly, uh, or this person's a I baby if that face. Turned into a bit, like, or that was their plan the whole time, where someone just it was an accident, and then people were like, they picked up and they're like, oh, you know what? Let's just run with this, or this was the plan all along. Yeah. I don't know. Played out along, but like Ricky Starks when he debuted came out of the right side, but since then he's been fighting out of the left. So well, now I feel like an idiot because I, I was backstage at the Atlanta show in February and I could see which the two entrances. And now I'm kind of annoyed that I didn't place enough <laughs> emphasis on where the people I was talking to were standing. Um, because I was like, when I'm thinking back to it, when y'all were first talking about that, I was like, when I was back there, like. Where were they standing? I was I literally could not remember who was standing where, but I remember Private Party and Sammy being on the right hand side. And I was like, huh. And I wonder if they moved and I didn't notice they moved to the other side. Yeah. They're like, You're you're going out the wrong in the wrong tunnel. I don't know. I don't remember. Um, but now I hope that's a thing. And I wonder if there's someone back there like, No, you go out that side, you go out that side. Yeah. Um Well, you know, so what I was saying though about Cody is that he in this particular match, I think worked more heelish than he's worked period. Like he's been working against baby faces, but in this particular match, you know, the way he was almost playing up to the crowd and like looking at the audience mm-hmm. in a very heelish manner. And like when he took off the belt, I thought he was going to start whipping him with it. Like I thought he was really just going to go straight into like old cold, uh, heel Cody mode. And in this match, they kept pan- uh, panning to the shot of, um, Tully Blanchard. And, you know, there's been hints on Twitter being dropped like left and right of uh, Cody, Sean Spears and FDR forming a four horsemen. And uh, they've been dropping all four of them have been dropping IV in their tweets. And like uh, FTR specifically went out of their way to like put over a Sean Spears match saying, you know, Sean Spears is one of the best out there. And I don't know. I feel like something's happening with those four. Hmm. And like the fact that Tully being Sean Spears' manager is also scouting Cody in the crowd, and Cody's like looking off at him. I feel like there was something there. So he turns on Arn essentially as the heel turn. I don't know if he turns on Arn or if Arn's also a part of all of it because if mm. it's a new four horseman, yeah. Arn would be Arn would be there too. Um, I feel like if anything, they turn on the elite. That Cody, obviously, well, still being in like a, he feels in, like he's he's already talked about it in promos. He's already said that like he yeah. feels like he. I think he even asked like, "Am I even in the elite anymore?" Right. And he's he's really not like they just had an elite match this week, and <laughs> it's uh, it's not really featuring Cody all that much. Um, yeah, yeah. That would make so, sense. so I don't know. I just feel like the way he was working this week, and the fact that like all of his challenges have been baby faces. I feel like they're easing us into the idea of hating Cody, that they're putting him in this position of, 
you wanting his opponents to beat him. Well, that's usually the case anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, sometimes. But um, I'm usually rooting <laughs> for the other person. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Wardlow. Uh, for Cody, right? Uh, but otherwise, yeah. Cody's a great I, I just, Like he's had his moments, and he's um. You can make the case that he's already been at the highest of highs, um, babyface wise. Um, when he st- stood on the cage at the show I was at, uh, when he defeated Wardlow, and um, he's had his his moments in the sun, and um, it does feel like his character does have a natural uh, progression to being a heel, and he I think he actually works better as a wrestler as a heel. Yeah, and I, I think he wants to. So I, I think this because honestly, I think that's where it all started. Like the match against Dustin at Double or Nothing, uh, the first one, he was working heel in that match, and I think he intended to walk into AEW as a heel, but it was almost impossible because everybody viewed him as being responsible for the company, and it was a very thank you Cody vibe, and it was almost like he couldn't uh, work a heel in a in an environment where people are grateful that he's around, and I think once we've kind of now that we're a year into this i think he might feel more comfortable going into that role interesting i um i I hadn't thought about this yet um speaking of heel turns kenny omega um attacked marco stunt briefly after their six-man tag Uh, match against yes he did which was very good very good match um i will never like kenny omega is just when he gets on a roll like snapdragon Marco stunt seems illegal. Like it looks, like <laughs> I know, right? It looks wrong and like immoral. <laughs> it's unbelievable how quick and like how painful and like it looks like he's killed him every single time. And then Marco stunt had the spot of the night. Just the destroyer from the Lucha Express was just bonkers. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, the Jurassic Express. Yeah, um, the uh, I have to agree. Like I, I like this match. Um, I know there's a lot of people who didn't because I know the uh, the thing is I feel like um, people are not willing to accept AEW as kind of like a cornucopia of wrestling styles yeah. in that like you can have a Cody type match that tells a story you can have a John Moxley type match that that has the psychology um, and then you can have a technical type match with an FTR and then you can also have these car crash matches with guys like um jurassic express and the elite that are just fun and you're allowed to enjoy all of the above you don't have to say well this match sucks because it doesn't have psychology and i saw a lot of that on twitter it was really annoying me um but i enjoyed this type of stuff because it's just fun and it's good and it's uh i thought that um kenny almost from the jump was kind of leaning into a little bit of the cleaner type stuff where he was like toying with Marco stunt and in the way he was like shoving him to the ground. Uh, I enjoyed a lot of that. And then, yeah, after the match was over, you know, he hit the one winged angel on uh, Marco stunt and then proceeds to just keep beating him down. And the elite has to pull him off. But like, he's also frustrated because earlier in the night FTR had dumped the beer on his head. And so it was, it was nice to just kind of see like a ragey side of Kenny Omega. And I feel like this is what a lot of people have wanted to see out of him for quite some time well do you think they're actually leading that there's gonna be a pivot where hangman is not the one who turns and it's actually kenny omega i don't know it's just a i feel like it's all careful here because he's the one who makes the most sense to beat moxley when you have fans again like that is Uh, i don't know i actually think i slightly disagree um because there's one person who's actually in position to do it right now and i think he's going to uh 
Uh, MJF. He's got. Oh no! This is too soon. But the thing is, he's undefeated. Like he is the number one contender. There, there's no way out of doing that match, and you have to either pull the trigger or have him lose. But you really don't have a way out right now because MJF is undefeated. He is logically the next person to challenge John Moxley. Do you have him lose now, or do you yes pull the trigger and give him the belt? He can like he's one of those characters who can afford losses. Like I don't think. Oof, I don't know. I no, thank you. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't. My call drop. Uh, are you still there? Yes. It's all good. Uh, I don't know if. Um, what am I gonna say here? I don't necessarily know if. MJF is going to have it next because I also have to say that other than maybe Hikaru Shida, mm-hmm. uh, I have not been able to successfully predict really anything AEW. They definitely have thrown me curveballs almost left and right. And like in ways where I'm so, I've got the WWE formula almost down pat in my head to where like, okay, I know what's going to happen next. And I just, I can oh, see where storylines are going. Dolph Ziggler going to lose to Drew McIntyre? 100 <laughs> percent yeah and so the thing is like i said wwe can sometimes like throw a curveball but for the most part their formula is very very predictable um and or at least reliable like we know that they have a certain structure and like they have a formula of which things work whereas aew has definitely thrown me off time and time again where i think i'm on the scent of something and then it's like oh that, that's completely not what i saw coming uh, and like I said, other than Sheeta, like she, she's pretty much like on track to become women's champion pretty much the day she moved to the United States. And it was like, they just put her on a winning streak. You're like, okay, she's going to beat uh, whoever the champion is come the time. Hmm. Well, it's interesting you bring up Sheeta because um, she noted, uh, I don't have anybody to face. And uh, that is why yeah. I'm not doing anything right now. And I think four of the top five challengers are just like cannot compete right now. Um, and then you get Nyla Rose's return and Vicky. Like there was a sound mess up, right? Where Vicky's music started playing. Oh yeah, they accidentally played Vicky's theme initially and yeah. then played. <laughs> I thought yeah. I caught that and I was like, that's not good. Um, is it wasn't anybody's theme we had heard before. So even my reaction was, oh, what was that? Uh, and then like Vicky's yell. Like I wrote it. Then when they played it, I'm like, I heard it. It sounded just Vicky ish. And I was like, was that Vicky (laughs) Carrera? Like I, that was weird. And I was like, maybe I misheard it. Maybe Nyla added something to the beginning of her theme. Um, I I though. My only concern about this is that when you look at the AEW women's division, um, you know, obviously the top talker in the company is Brit. Um, but then I'd say number two is Nyla. Nyla talks really well. Mm-hmm. Nyla cuts great promos. I think about the promo she cut in Atlanta um, at the show you were at, yes. the uh, Nobody is a Beast Like Me promo. I think about that all the time because well, she a is video, a great talker. I don't think that was in the ring. I think that was a video. She, she was at the top of the, she was at the, top oh, of the that stage. Oh, right. that uh, I was like, I don't remember her in the ring doing that. Okay, yeah, yeah that makes sense. She was at the top of the stage with uh, Tony Schiavone. It right. just, the way she talks and can command a crowd, she's actually really good at it. So I was almost disappointed to hear that somebody's going to be talking for her when she does it well enough. Um, I'm hoping that it's more of like a CM Punk, Paul Heyman type situation where she doesn't, and not like a Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman type situation where like 
they get to play off of each other rather than um, somebody just doing all the talking for her. Yeah. I, who is the, I don't know. Like, what do you do? How do you fix it? Like, because they're just limited in what they can do. Um, is it just Anna J every week <laughs> or is she just gone? To Anna the she, well, the thing is, uh, I know they were supposed to do something with her, but um, she's one of QT Marshall students and QT Marshall, of course, tested positive for COVID. Yeah. So, and I know they had all of, they had QT and all of his students stay home. So I don't even know if she's available. What's the latest on Statlander? Did she tear ACL or no? Yeah, she tore ACL. She's going to be out like six months. So she's yeah. not coming back. But the thing is, they, uh, they did make a, a, an, I guess, an effort to bring some more people in. I know a lot of people are concerned because they brought in Ivelisse. Um, Ivelisse is, of course, very problematic. Um, and uh, She's not signed, is she? I don't know. I mean, that's the thing is, Co- Tony Khan said that they're going to be talent hunting around the United States. And... Maybe their hand was tied because, like, the fact that they advertise usually on Dynamite when somebody isn't signed, they don't really advertise them. They usually just say um, their opponent is in action, mm-hmm. and then uh, and that's it. But if somebody's signed, they'll usually put both up. And the fact that it's uh, Diamante, who I believe now is signed, versus Ivelisse Velez, I have a feeling that one of those two did get signed. I mean, I think. Uh, Diamante did for sure. Um, so it'd be nice to see her paired back with Santana and Ortiz when they're done with the inner circle. Um, but uh, at least I can see that there's an effort being made to bring in some more women. As far as who she is going to be facing, it lo- sounds like they're doing an open challenge thing with her as well. I'm kind of getting tired um, of the open challenge. I know. Well, the interesting thing is that uh, apparently the head of booking, the rumor is that the head of booking for the women's division changed as of this week. So I guess there's some direction changes happening. Hmm. Cause Kenny Omega was booking the women's division for the last, uh, however long. Yeah. And, uh, but now apparently actually pitched Baker turning heel. If I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, and, and then Chris Jericho has been the one behind the promos and stuff, uh, and the bits, but apparently, uh, the rumor has it that Brandy's back in control of the women's division. I don't know what that means, um, mm. because uh, I have talked to one person in the company who actually is positive about that, who feels like the division needs a woman's touch. Uh, Wait, why can't it be both? Why can't they work together? I don't know. Um, that I think Kenny's still going to be putting together the matches. I think he's always okay. been putting together the women's matches. Um, but as far as like feuds and creative direction is concerned. I think they're now leaning toward having a woman more in control of that and having somebody who can kind of guide it less from a male's perspective. And who knows that that can work out pretty well because that is the one thing that creative and pro wrestling has been missing. I know like WWE made an effort to hire women. So that way there was better. They had a better understanding of just the way, uh, speak, yeah, women speak and shouldn't necessarily just up. like. I think he has some takes on it. Let me <laughs> let me call him up. <laughs> you know, because like that that was definitely uh, something that uh, WWE is really bad at for a long time. Like I always think of Tori Wilson describing her own breast as big and voluptuous, and it's like the only person who would say that on earth is Vince McMahon, and. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> no one would say that about themselves. Like no. you can't have writing that kind of dialogue. No, that's pretty shitty. Um, we should probably let's last talk about the um, the mocks versus um, yes, and then Brian. the return of my guy Darby Allen. Love love me some Darby <laughs> Allen and the flying skateboard throat punches. One of my favorites, but um, big Darby Allen guy right here. Um, uh, the match itself, I thought. Like you said, this is all about psychology, and Ambrose or Ambrose Moxley does a very good job of working a different style than the rest of the people that he worked, like the rest of the company. Where he, like the story was good of him not being able to lock in um, the the arm so that he can hit the paradigm shift. He hit it, and then like Cage just kicked out, and it was just one of those things they sold in commentary. Where like they, Taz was right; he knew that that would not take down Cage, and blah blah blah, and he kept going after the bicep, and that was smart. They're out of the ring most of the time because nobody really wants to see these two stay within the four corners of the ring and just work a normal wrestling match. Like, that's not what they're good at. But I don't know. Part of what hurt this match for me is that Chris Jericho is yelling almost <laughs> throughout. Like, they've got to pull him. He is. Um, Chris Jericho was incredible in the Orange Cassidy segment of him just calling him bad attitude and all the stuff that Jericho is him calling Cassie those things was great and I thought the slime was good and the towel shot and it was great Jericho does not belong on commentary and him oh, and uh, um, just well, bad. I have to, I have to tell you sometime in the next year or two this is where Jericho is going to end up um, I can tell like I know that he's almost like hamming it up but I can absolutely tell two things one i can tell he's having a lot of fun mm-hmm. and i can also tell that tony khan loves it like if you listen to every interview tony khan is absolutely in love with chris jericho on commentary i can absolutely tell that with jericho hitting 50 this year and he obviously his career kind of reaching a point of winding down mm-hmm. uh, I think he's feeling like this is the next stage of his career. And I think that's why they've put him out there on commentary so much over the last two months, really getting us adjusted to having this voice on commentary. Well, here's the problem with that. Um, he stinks and uh, Caliber and Taz are good. And I love Excalibur and Taz. Uh, I think like, I thought Jericho was good initially, but, Jericho has the, and I've said this on RBR, but Jericho has this ability to, when he learns something is good, he totally starts hamming it up. Like, do you remember the first time that he was like, you just made the list? Mm-hmm. And then that caught on. And then it became, guess what? You just made the list! And, it was, and like, that's how Jericho does, right? It was like the first time he went, a little bit of the bubbly and everybody was like, Oh, that was really funny. And then it became, Hey everybody, I've got a little bit of the bubbly. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, it's almost like Bart Simpson with the, I didn't do it where like, the first time he did it, like everybody laughed. And then when they're like, Oh, well then it, there's a whole episode where he accidentally knocked over a whole stage and he goes, I didn't do it. And the whole audience laughs. And then it becomes like a huge, um, uh, a bit and he becomes like this international superstar and then they're like ladies and gentlemen the i didn't do it kid and he comes out on stage he's like i didn't do it and the audience like doesn't laugh and they're like okay and like it, it, it was it was like your 15 minutes is up kind of things and um i feel like jericho gets like that with everything and the fact that like commentary for him was something that was critically acclaimed when he had to do it in a pinch when 
AEW for that month um, because they taped that month of shows all in one day. And in that one day, they didn't have Excalibur. They didn't have JR. Uh, and uh, they didn't have Taz. So all of a sudden now, <laughs> for this one day, uh, they have to tape a month of shows with Chris Jericho. And he really stepped up and filled a good role. And he got critically acclaimed for it. So, of course, in typical Jericho fashion, it is now a... Uh, it's now Jericho hamming it up. It's Jericho screaming on commentary. It's him yelling and being completely over the top in a caricature of what people liked initially. But that's how Jericho does with everything that gets over. As far as this match was concerned, I thought that, uh, you know, there was a promo earlier in the show with John Moxley wearing um, the Danny Havoc shirt uh, where he noted um, that Brian Cage had been injured back in January, that Brian Cage was supposed to debut for AEW in January. He tore his tricep and that ended up delaying his debut all the way up until double or nothing this past year. And I thought, huh, it's kind of weird to bring that up. Why does it even matter? Cause he didn't even debut till May. So nobody knew that. And then it made sense once the match began, because the whole match was John Moxley targeting Brian Cage's tricep. And he kept everything he did. Every bit of offense John Moxley applied was targeting the tricep. And Taz was getting more and more concerned about that because of course that was what kept you know, just if you're just watching in the context of the show, you now know Brian Cage was out five months with a tricep injury. And the one thing Taz does not want to lose is Brian Cage for five more months. And so, like, you're watching him wince with every single piece of offense that John Moxley applies to Brian Cage all throughout this match. And by the time we get to the finish, which is John Moxley, of course, uh, applying an arm bar to uh, Brian Cage and continuing to target the tricep and brian cage himself is not submitting he refuses to quit but taz on the outside is like i can't give up my meal ticket here this guy needs to live to fight another day and throws in the towel i thought that was actually a really smart finish hmm. and it protects because he didn't actually tap out um the finish was fine i i get the the idea there but um i don't know i the i like uh cage's suplex from, I don't know what to call this because it's like not the top row, but he's like he pulls him up just like a crazy yeah. like strength thing. But um, I like the story being told there that despite the injury being targeted, he was still able to pull off his feats of strength, and it was almost yeah. more impressive because he was doing it in spite of the arm injury. If he was like four inches taller, I think he'd be like one of the biggest deals in wrestling. Oh yeah, for sure. I met Brian Cage. He's the nicest guy in the world. Um, he he in the weird a little taller. He's got, like he's eye to eye with. He's Mox. got muscles. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the thing is, Moxley is not short. No. <laughs> That's the thing that people forget about Mox. And when I say that, I mean like Moxley. I swear to God, is six four, and people don't realize that because he oh, has a very hunt. He's six a hunt. He's the tallest. He's the tallest member of the Shield. John Cena is shorter than John Moxley, and people don't realize that because he has a very hunchy um, frame, terrible posture. That yeah, he has terrible posture, so he hunches. But like the thing is, if you go back to the 2016 feud between John Cena and AJ Styles and Dean Ambrose, when Moxley and Cena got face to face, Cena's looking up to Moxley. Um, Moxley's frame makes him look shorter, but he's actually the tallest member of the Shield. He's actually a big guy. Hmm. Cage is like barely it's, six feet. Yeah, 
And so that's the thing is Cage, on the other hand, I've met Brian Cage. And like I said, nicest guy in the world. He has muscles on top of muscles, which like when you're talking to him, just makes him look like a giant teddy bear because he's so nice. Um, <laughs> whereas like, then you see him in the ring and he just like comes off like very forceful. Um, I like Brian Cage and I think that the, the sky can be the limit for him. Um, I'm actually liking him in the Taz role. I like that the FTW championship is like not an officially recognized championship. I liked when he came to the ring and initially Justin Roberts just announced him as Brian cage. And he has to like go threaten him for Justin Roberts to then say, excuse me, the, the FTW champion, Brian cage. Hmm. And like, it's not an official championship. AEW doesn't recognize it. It's really just Taz calling him an uncrowned champion. And that, that part also I think was hurt by this match occurring this week rather than last week. Cause I think had you swapped the weeks because that's one thing that like AEW is kind of known for is like planning things like well in advance. But the problem is they ended up losing the world title match from last week. And I think last week's segment was supposed to supposed to occur this week where they could have said, that they probably would have done some kind of finish that protected Brian cage and said, he's the uncrowned champion. So I'm crowning him the FTW champion. Whereas it happened before it happened before the match instead. And now we're looking at it like, well, why when the match hadn't even occurred yet? Hmm. Well, either way, glad Mox won and uh, they can keep going. And I think Darby versus cage is going to be very entertaining. Cause I think that's the next big match. Yeah, I'm glad you kept that like fresh in people's minds for months. Uh, that you know, the last time we saw Darby Allen was when Brian Cage literally threw him into a ladder at Double or Nothing. So it was nice that Darby, you know, th- they've been playing the videos each week of like he's still not cleared because of the injury from Brian Cage, and but that ultimately he wants to come back and he wants to come back for Brian Cage. There you go. Will, this has been great. I appreciate you making the time, even on vacation, that uh, you, you move up in the uh, CT Podcast Power Rankings. Um, a little bit above the AEW Power Rankings, um, based on just people I've asked, is they value my rankings just a, just a tad more than AEW. So um, that is just food for fodder. But um, I appreciate you making the time. Um, we can check out the RBR Weekly Wrestling Talk Podcast every Wednesday night. Um, on is it still Mixer? Because I don't listen to Mixer. Mixer dot com slash fanoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're dot com slash fanoff every Wednesday, ten p.m. Eastern, seven p.m. Pacific. Uh, you could also just find the podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Um, because we're on all of them. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, uh, Spotify. It doesn't matter. We're on every single one of them. You can just ask, ask your. I said ask. Uh, ask your uh, smart speaker to just play rvr wrestling and we just start playing so yeah anywhere you listen and and go support you on patreon yeah patreon.com rvr wrestling is that correct yes it is there we go see i'm a pro i'm a pro will well (laughs) thank you so much sir and uh we will talk again you chase all right hi this is chuck dowdle of bulldogs roundtable and i want to thank you for listening to another episode of the chase thomas podcast be sure to check out chase's website at chase and follow the stone mountain native on twitter and facebook and listen to my show bulldog roundtable every tuesday and thursday from 9 to nine thirty on 680 the fan have a great bulldog day everybody
All right, hello, and welcome back to the Chase Most Podcast. I am now joined by Alicia. Alicia, like, how do I pronounce your last name? I'm going to go back and forth on this. I've decided on multiple things before we started recording. I should have just asked you, but I, I go back and forth on it all the time. How do you pronounce it? Achoot. Okay. There you go. See? Easy enough. Alicia, too. I know. It's so, it's so simple. Everyone's kind of scared to say it to because yeah. they don't want to be offensive, but it's literally what it is. And they try to make it French because I'm Canadian and they go at you, but that's not it either. So yeah, you're not alone. Trust me. I've had people who've called me a tout for like two years and I'm just like, <laughs> I don't even care. <laughs> um, can you speak French fluently? No, I took it for years in high, between high school and elementary, but it just didn't stop, stick. I can't even speak English. Uh, the only things that I kind of remember are like ouvre le livre, mm. um, femme le bouche. Uh, Femme uh, sure. Je suis fromage, which is I am cheese. So uh-huh. you know, I haven't re- I haven't retained much. <laughs> I speak uh, zero French. I can speak Latin, but I cannot. Um, French was never something okay. I took. Yeah, I, I, I avoided French. Yeah, I wish I could have. We were forced to take it, being mm. Canadian. Yeah, here in Toronto, we I had no choice. Really? I was mandatory. Yeah, it was also mandatory in the first year of high school as well, and huh. then we didn't. I don't think we had anything else actually aside. There was one other language they they allowed, and I think it was Spanish, which I kind of wish I took in, in hindsight, mm. but I never did. I always wanted like German or something, and our high school never did that. So I just didn't take any other language afterwards aside from all my English courses. Interesting. German is just too angry. Not on my radar. Like German just sounds angry naturally. I have no interest in German at all. That's why it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> they're just it's it's just a very pissed off language it's not a um i don't know it's i it's not it's not on my radar like latin is latin's annoying because like latin's one of those languages obviously it's dead but like um word order doesn't matter so you have to it's far more difficult to converse with somebody who also can speak latin but like i can read it and do all that kind of stuff but like to parse through it sentence by sentence you have to look at like you have to look at every word individually it's very very frustrating it's the only language like that where word order does not matter and you have to look at the endings and you have to look at okay this is a participle okay this goes here and then like yeah it's it's very frustrating yeah it sounds it <laughs> it sounds difficult <laughs> it's very annoying um i do not recommend it but it also helps with um learning new words and expanding your vocabulary like there's certain things i can see just from latin that that goes a long way so it did help a lot in that regard so in terms of expanding your vocabulary like it's definitely worth it in that regard um alicia what is what has quarantine been like for you what have you been doing for the last four months it's been interesting for sure uh, when everything was announced and when bookings really started to be taken away and it got more serious i was actually in tijuana mexico with mlw and like i was sitting in the locker room with all of the dudes and we're all like oh no we just lost this. Oh no, now this is gone. And so it's since that day, um, it's been a whirlwind because I literally got home two days um, afterwards. They closed the border from Mexico to Canada. So like the whole thing's just insane. Um, since then, I've been at home. I've been hosting tons of interviews. Like I did five today. It's been insane. Uh, now I'm doing this podcast. So it's been go, go, go. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make the best of it. Um, trying to continue campaigns and everything I can. And yeah, just trying to stay positive, even though there's a lot going on. 
So what is your quarantine routine? What do you do every day with no MLW to do right now? Um, yeah, so I'll wake up, have some breakfast while editing an interview. Then I'll normally, if I don't have an interview right away, um, I'll normally do all my research in the morning from around like 9 to 11 or 12. Then it's usually just interviewing or editing the whole day. And in between that, I have like campaign photos to take and uh, people to reach out to. Pardon? What, so what is the campaign photos? What does that mean? Yes, I work with a bunch of different companies over the years. I've worked uh-huh. with BMW to Hot Topic to like Budweiser. Uh-huh. So a lot of the times um, I'll have campaigns and collaborations. Hmm. So, uh, you know, I have to take pictures for that and then post online and that kind of stuff. So those types of things have been keeping me super busy huh. the last okay. couple of months. So, yeah. So after fitting in stuff like that and emailing and, you know, <laughs> I, I social media, I literally edit everything. Everything you see online is I've produced or done mm. so um the whole day is pretty much dedicated to work until around six o'clock where uh, i'll have dinner with my family we'll relax then i'll probably have an interview or a podcast after dinner yeah and uh then i get to chill and watch a documentary or binge watch some television with them so that's that's my day <laughs> what are you what documentaries and tv shows are you watching right now so netflix has definitely been keeping me busy i've mm. been watching way too much stuff on there but like- right now we're actually um well lately it's been on prime funny enough mm. um we've been binge watching the mentalist which has been around for a while okay. but we just got on that train and it has been so so good uh but on netflix i just started um the documentary on walter mercado which is super interesting okay i watched unsolved mysteries i've watched broken um oh gosh the innocent files i i could go like on for forever um i feel like i've watched every documentary they've put out at this point so you know what's funny i um i've talked to a lot of female friends people i've dated all that kind of stuff about this but like there seems to be this like i i don't understand it but like females interest in crime drama is unreal to me like my mother's favorite show is criminal minds and like she loves crime stuff and uh like the people that listen to crime podcasts like i don't have any guy friends that do but i have like all my female friends do and i don't i don't understand why that is like why is this what am i missing here i haven't been able to like figure out what the actual answer to this is we're taking notes in case someone pushes us (laughs) No, <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I've noticed that too. Like, I do have some guy friends, like especially some of my close friends. Um, mm. they love that kind of stuff. But then and again, like I grew up with a lot of these guys, and like we would read books about like killers and true crime, and mm. it was just fascinating for me. It was the psychology behind it. I've always loved psychology. I took it in high school for years. So for me, it's the human mind what drives you to that point or just start even thinking that way like you'll never know unless you yourself experience it there's just no there's no way to to know so um it's just fascinating to me so anytime there's a documentary on a missing person or a serial serial killer or <laughs> a, a case where someone is crazy I'm, I'm in because i'm like will there be answers will there be some explanation or are we just going to be dumbfounded again um yeah i don't know what it is but it's it's just really fascinating yeah, it's I, I that's interesting. I just 
it, it's not me. Like, I'm just not interested. Like, I have zero, like, I have, like, 73 podcasts in my feed, and I just, I can't do it. Like, I just, I can't do that whole thing over and over again. Like, I can do the, the fictional versions. Like, I can do, like, True Detective. I can do stuff like that. But, like, I don't know. Like, the, the true crime stuff doesn't really interest me at all. It's never been on my radar. I don't know. What it, and guy friends I've talked to, I'm like, do y'all listen to, like, Wondery's, like, disappeared or anything like that? And they're like, no. They're listening to sports, sports stuff. And I'm just like, huh, I don't, but I, I just, I don't know what it is. I, I would love to get to the psychology. It might just be that the psychology is just interesting to women by and large. I, I have no idea, but I would love to read a <laughs> scholarly article on this phenomenon because I am 100% convinced that there is something more at play that I am not smart enough to understand. <laughs> well, I'm not going to let you in on our worldwide. Oh, no. Is there a conspiracy? Is yeah. there something? Is there like a group chat, uh, a woman group chat about uh, true crime movies and shows? Is that is that what uh, your lady on here? Can you imagine, though? You guys would be screwed if that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Um, what is your weirdest quarantine habit right now? Um, habit? Yeah, um, like what have you found yourself doing that you were not doing before quarantine every day? Uh, working out is definitely something. It's not necessarily weird, but I guess, I guess it's kind of weird for me because um, before quarantine, I, I hadn't really worked out since like high school. Mm. So, And I'm 25 now, so um, it got to a point where my family started working out, and I was like, well, I guess I gotta hop on that train <laughs> now. So um, I've been doing that, and it's been great because it's led to a lot of opportunities. Like I'm now interviewing bodybuilders, which has been amazing. I've already had like Mr. Universe and um, Arnold Classic winners and Mr. Olympia winners on. Like it's been super crazy already, and um, yeah, and I just feel better too because it, it's obviously for your health and everything. So yeah, it's been uh, definitely interesting and different for me. They have not invited me for the Mr. Arnold competition yet. Little little fucked up that I've not been invited um, to this point. I don't know what the no, holdup is. No, you haven't had an invite to the classic. No, haven't been invited to the Arnold Classic. I don't. I think they're. I have to be a little bit bigger. I think that's the that's the the the, the, the echelon that you have to hit. I'm just. I'm not there yet. Like I'm a third yeah, of a person there. I think that's the whole concept. So you might be missing out. Just being like three times who i am yeah that's that's possible um how did you when you think about how you got into just interviewing and things like that is this something you wanted to do because you said you said in psychology in high school and everything else is this just like what your dream was to be a professional interviewer is that um what you always wanted to do yeah funny enough it wasn't ever really a dream of mine I applied to different universities here in Toronto for journalism because that was a big passion of mine. And I was accepted to every university. But at the same time, I had a blog on the side where I was just reviewing music and like um, albums, songs. What was it? Exactly. Yeah. Albums, songs, um, just whatever kind of releases were being sent my way. Cause I had like a small blog and then I got to the point where I started interviewing people and started getting a lot of views, especially around when I was in grade 12. And so I made the decision towards graduation to um, decline all of the places I was accepted to. And I ended up instead actually just going full time with my site because huh. I started to realize people are really liking what I'm doing. It's starting to get views um let's just keep it going so the first couple years of the site were actually just me in school as a student having a blog on the side for fun where i'd get free concert tickets and meet my favorite bands for free and you know just interview on the side 
and not make any money from it. And then it got to a point where I started seeing opportunities and collaborations. And I was like, all right, I guess it's time to be gung ho with this and have some fun and really take it seriously instead of it just being like a hobby, which it was for a few years. So what kind of music do you mostly like to listen to? I'm all over the place on this. Honestly, one day I will have a new wave day um, where I'm just full on 80s from Aha to New Order to Duran Duran. Then some days I'll listen to like the Shy Lights and then I'll listen to more like Philly Soul. And then I could have like a new metal day where it's just Linkin Park, Corn. Corn? Like, you you listen to Corn in 2020? Yeah, oh my God. Y'all want to sing a little say fuck that? Holy oh, shit. Good... What the fuck? Um, okay. I saw them in the concert last summer, actually. For a, Are they still for touring? They were last summer. Yeah, it was, it, I've never felt so much bass in my entire life. Like it was, it was too much, <laughs> way too much. But um, holy shit, that okay. was really cool. And yeah, so I'm all over the place. And then I love a lot of music from like British indie stuff, like Knowing the Whale, Bombed Bicycle Club. And then I went through an emo phase, which I will never get out of. Where it's Taking Back Sunday, The Used, Ashbrook Confessional my chem so like i really will listen to a ton of different stuff that per genre i'm like specific to what i like interesting yeah i'm mostly a pop punk or rap person like it just it that's basically what i bounce back and forth um between like like blink 182 some 41 kind of pop uh, punk not some pretty, like story so far is probably my favorite band yeah. um the dangerous summer i like a lot uh what else do i listen to a lot i mean story so far i listen to all the fucking time uh beach slang is one of my favorites um okay blink's good had them on my site yeah blink uh beach slang is just they're 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 awesome um foals um i love churches churches is great punk pop sadian foals are and churches aren't pop fun no they're not i'm just giving more bands after that i'm just giving you other bands that i listen to a lot i'm just saying that they do not qualify no no, I can bounce around, Alicia. You're over, you're all over the place. You're over here with Lincoln Park and going to corn concerts in twenty twenty. Okay, that was that's fair. Um, Alkaline Trio, um, and I also like that they blended with Blink. Um, let me think. Who else? Oh, um, Hit the Lights. I love a lot. Um, but Story So Far is definitely my favorite. I actually have a sticker on my car for Story So Far, but um. Yeah, that that is extremely my shit. Um, the hardest part of quarantine for you and just not having MLW around right now, what has it been? Uh, definitely the ch- not traveling aspect. I was so used to being gone every single weekend. You know, so most from like Thursday to Sunday or Thursday to Monday. So being at home, like I'm super close with my family, so that's not an issue at all. But being at home is so different for me because I'm so used to traveling. I love eating different foods while I'm away, so like that sucks not experimenting and eating random things. What do you like to I'm eat? just walking around. Oh, anything like sushi, pasta, steak. I'm just I just You're love food place, so like much. Your music. Like my music, yeah. I, I'm I'm just a very random human being. Interesting. But, um, okay. Yeah, so I just, I miss that so much. Like, we had tapings, last tapings we did were Tijuana and San Diego. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. Like, we, they had our hotel right in the middle of Middle Italy. It was Middle Italy. <laughs> middle Italy. It was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, we all went down to the area with, like, um, all these outdoor eateries and bakeries and ice cream shops. And it was just so cool walking around um, somewhere my job brought me that I've never been. 
and I just miss that. I miss exploring. I miss seeing people. Um, I, I, oh, I miss so much of it, but the main thing I miss is just that aspect of my job because so much comes with it. I miss meeting fans. Like I could go on and on. I feel that. Um, what is the update? What do you, what do you know right now? Like, when do you think you'll be traveling again? Are they just, it's still just put off for the foreseeable future. So they just announced, I believe yesterday that the border has extended its closures until, um, I think it was like mid August at this point. Mm. So at this point, like I'm still stuck in Canada because that that's their rule. And I, I completely, the frustrating part too, is it's not like I can be mad at it. Mm. Like this pandemic and this virus is literally deadly. So I'm really happy that this country is taking all precautions possible um, to help rid this thing or at least make it better for people. So, you know, it's, it's frustrating being stuck here um, at the same time, I get why. So I, I don't have an update aside from the update they gave yesterday, which wasn't really positive. So I'm just trying to stay mentally positive myself. And thanks to later. Fingers crossed. I feel that. So what's next? Like, where do you, what do you, what is your goal? Like you're in your mid twenties right now. Where do you, where do you see yourself going in the next five years? Um, honestly, at this point, I know the pandemic kind of threw a spanner in the works, but MLW has been growing on such a great rate. We've had some really awesome big shows. Uh, the last um, co-pro we had had 5,000 people there in a foreign country. So it was just incredible. So I would really like to grow with that company because they value me and I value what they bring to the table. And we had, man, so many different new cities and places and partnerships on the horizon. So I really hope uh, once this pandemic gets back up and we're back on our feet just to grow with them as far as the promotion side goes and then as far as personally just keep on getting bigger and better interviews and keep hustling not kind of be complacent ever and yeah just keep having fun with it because at this point i'm already doing what i what i enjoy so i don't really need much of a change um i also want to work with other brands like, like there i definitely there are definitely some brands out there I'd still love to partner with. So. Not wrestling brands. You mean just like brands in general? Like just brands in general, like clothing brands. I've For me, it's been cool because every, every I'm like currently working with every every promo, promotion. Like in like this week, I did interviews with Impact Talent, WWE Talent, AEW Talent. Mm-hmm. Um, then I had music interviews, bodybuilding interviews. So for me, I don't really feel like I the only expansion I really need in that regard is just to keep on growing number wise and get more interviews. But um, I want to work with more like clothing companies or makeup brands or people behind the scenes. Like I'm doing two really cool beer collaborations this week. So yeah, it's been, um, I just want to grow that way. Interesting. So who, who have you interviewed um, in the last couple of years that you were just like that nailed that? That was one of my favorite, favorite conversations. Who is it? Oh, it's so hard. I've done like, 4,000 interviews. Have you really? In my, 4,000? Yeah. With 4,000 yeah, different people? Yeah, in my people? career. So. Yeah, yeah. That's a, so that's a it's, lot. Um, it's intense. So like that question for me kind of throws my brain in a scrambled puzzle. I'm like, who do I even choose? Like it's it's really hard. Um, the Metallica interview will forever go down in history as one of my favorites because okay. it just blew my mind. I even got it. Like it was such a great interview for me. Um, Steel Panther, one of my favorite bands of all who? time. And uh, Steel Panther. What kind of music they're is that? Heavy, they're heavy metal. Okay. Um, but they started doing cover songs of 80s bands. And then they started writing their own songs that are really um, politically incorrect and hilarious and in your face, just raunchy. 
but the musicianship, they're literally some of the best players in metal in rock or just music in general that you will ever hear. So, and they're just pure gold as far as comedy goes. Like it's not even cheesy. It's just hilarious. So, um, yeah, I love an still Panther. Like anytime I walk away from a Panther interview, I'm like, yes, we all rocked that. Like that was amazing. And then for, for wrestling, I loved interviewing Mick Foley. Um, I've had like four interviews with him that I posted shows for him. So that was great. Interviewing Dustin Rhodes in front of a live crowd was fantastic. Um, I love having the Bucks on. It's just my, my like third interview with Kenny Omega was great. So yeah, I've just had so many experiences and so many fun moments. It's so hard to narrow it down. Like I could literally just answer that for way too long. MJF is a nice guy behind the scenes. Yes or no? Um, he doesn't deserve airtime, so I'm just not going to mention. <laughs> uh, I had to ask, um, just to hurt his brand. Um, he's probably the next AEW world champion. So we, we got to like, got to bring him down a notch before, uh, before that happens. Yeah. He sucks. <laughs> I can, I, I really hope I can send this to him. Um, just Alicia Toot said, uh, you suck. So that's a direct quote, Alicia. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he sucks. Like he's the worst. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. Um, who have you not had that you would you would love to still get on at this point? You've done over four thousand. Who have you not interviewed that you're just like? I really think this is someone I need to talk to that I have not talked to yet. The Rock, John Cena, and Kiss. Those are three that I would be so elated to have on because. For, from a personal stance, I think it would be amazing to speak with them. Uh, I've been a fan of all of them since I was a kid. And then just from a business stance, like having three giants in the in the world in what they do it would be amazing for numbers, for fans. It would just be like a win-win-win-win-win for everyone. But it's mainly just the personal reason. I just think it would be so – and I know the conversations would be great. Like I know really? they would be great oh my gosh i feel like i would have amazing conversations with all of them just because i know so much about them i do my research like i just i love surprising people with things so yeah i oh it needs to happen i'm determined it's gonna it's just i would actually pass on the scene interview if someone offered me an opportunity i would say no, no. the you rock suck. i would say yes now but Cena, i would say no now you suck that Wait, would be why? the dumbest thing to pass up an interview with Cena. There's nothing interesting. So he's not, absurd. he's the smartest. He's one of the smartest athletes in professional wrestling. We're like, I don't, he is not going to tell me in anything that I do not already know. Like that guy is so smooth. And you don't do enough things to find out behind the scenes stuff on people. Because if you would do like an hour's worth of, of research on that man, I'm telling you, you no, would see, find what I would do is I would pivot the interview to being like, how much did you hate Daniel Bryan's dog? Like, I would talk about why are you so insane with your hamper situation on Total Divas? Like, when you were throwing stuff and you were, like, getting really upset about the hamper situation. That That is what I know want to know about John Cena. Because I think John Cena is, like, a closet weirdo. And I want to get to the bottom of that. I want him to explain why he hates dogs so much and why he hates um, just stuff being out. Like, he's a clean freak. Like, those are things I would like to know about him. Because I think he's actually, like, a low-key weirdo. That is, but he'll never reveal that. He'll never explain like what's going on with the little bulldog that he wasn't a fan of that he wanted to get rid of. Do people even remember that? I feel like if you ask, of course I do. I feel okay. like if you ask things in a certain way and you gain trust from the people you're interviewing, like I definitely feel like those are questions you can ask, like without being 
like going about it in like a douchey way or anything. Like I don't, I really do think that that's stuff you could actually get out of somebody. It's just a matter of how you approach it. And you can't just like hit it out of nowhere. Like, you know, I never like doing interviews where I ask someone like a headline kind of throw under the bus type of question, you know, like that's never the, that's, I, I don't know. I just, I've never felt like that's our job. Um, mm. But I feel like okay. you can do it in a way where it's not deceitful or manipulative, but you're literally just having fun. You're like, bro, what was the deal with that? Like, it's something that you actually want to know. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't make them look bad. Then like, that's the way to go about it. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like it'd be such a bad idea to turn down an interview with him because one, from a business stance, like, mm. just no. And two, <laughs> there's so much you could actually learn about the guy. Like, I really do think there's a lot you could learn about him if you approach it the, the right way. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. I thought about it. (laughs) I can tell. I can tell. Um, Who do you think you're most likely to get first, Cena or The Rock? Um, Probably The Rock. That's so wild because I think that's true too. That's wild. Cena's not bigger than The Rock, but I think he's harder to get. I think he is. Yeah, and it's not like I expect this to happen. So I don't want somebody to hear this and think like, wow, what an egotistical shit. Like that's nothing no, to do with it. No, that's not egotistical at all. Just, at all. No. I just, feel, I just feel like that would be easier to get because I've actually got a lot of interviews through people um, doing movies or having a random campaign they're doing and they're doing a press junket. So I feel like he's more accessible from different avenues. Right. So I don't know. I, I've, I had his daughter on a couple of weeks ago, which was great. Mm-hmm. So um Simone. So yeah, it's one of those things you don't know what it can can lead to, and fingers crossed that uh, those three happen. Okay, I I I hope so too. Um, MLW is great. Why? I honestly think that the product is very raw and gritty, and we don't just throw stuff up there first take or just think okay it's done cool check mark it off our list and move forward. Like we really care about our product everyone behind the scenes whether you're a creative mind like an agent or producer or wrestler or other talent like myself you have creative input and your passion you're allowed to actually convey it and speak it and i've been places where you just weren't really able to so it's really amazing that when you watch it you see all these ideas coming to fruition and it's taped great the actual technical side of it always looks good we sound good um we have amazing storylines that are just so much fun but they're never cheesy or cringy or feel like you're watching like old 90s shitty rut like you know what i mean like how certain plots are just like why are they doing this this is so right. stupid so like or early 2000s some of those anyways i'm not gonna get into it but it's just like we just have really good stuff on the horizon and stuff in our um, archives. So, yeah, I just love the raw emotion that's conveyed to not just in the matches, um, but also in the promos. Like, we have some of the funniest people in the business from like Mance Warner to Alex Hammerstone. And it's just really, uh, really good, creative, fun content. I, I just love watching it back. Like, I literally watch the show when it airs because I just enjoy it. So, <laughs> most like, who in MLW right now is most likely to be the biggest star in the next five years in professional wrestling? Uh, honestly, probably Hammerstone. Okay. Um, I just, there's something about him whenever you work with him or he's just in the locker room. Like he has a really good creative mind. His matches are great. Um, he's really fun to work with. Like he takes direction well, whenever we're doing stuff, half the time he doesn't even need direction though. Like I don't say that, like he's given it all the time. It's just like, all of us are told like, Hey, put this over and he just does it. So 
yeah, I think his wrestling speaks for itself. And then um, Tom Lawler, too, like super funny dude. Um, really great in the ring. The fact he has that MMA background, you can see it. He's been training harder than ever during quarantine. So when we get back up and running, too, that's going to be someone to to watch out for if you aren't already because he's so good in the ring, but he also has this humor and just weird wit out of nowhere where he says stuff. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this dude's like the life of the locker room. But he, he says everything really quietly and doesn't want attention. So, yeah, they're both good dudes, and they both deserve a lot more recognition than they're already getting. And uh, I think once we're back up and running, we're all going to have spotlights on us again. And um, yeah, I think a lot of eyes are going to be on the brand. I like MLW. I watch it on YouTube. It's good stuff. I It's a good product and I'm excited for it to be back because I miss it. Um, Alicia, what can we check out from you this week in the coming weeks before we get out of here? Yeah, so I have a lot of interviews coming your way. Like I mentioned, I just started bodybuilding interviews. So I uh, already have had winners like uh, Kevin Lavroni to Sean Ray to Mike O'Hernon, like all some of the biggest names in the business. I'm interviewing Ronnie Coleman this weekend, who is literally known as being the best bodybuilder in the world. So stay uh you know look out for that i had music interviews recently including like you mentioned like pop punk like neck deep i interviewed ben today so that's coming out soon um as far as wrestling goes i have stuff with i just posted my interview with tegan knox i had a new one with brian cage um that i filmed today uh simone johnson like i mentioned there's just so much stuff coming out um lisa marie varen like it's just non-stop so if you like wrestling if you like music if you like bodybuilding uh please head over to alicia2.com check out all of the interviews there's so much i also post a lot on social media just randomness i really try to keep it positive and if i am talking about something serious i try to not keep it like too dark or anything so yeah i just like being honest with my fan base having a good time with my interviews and my guests and uh, I hope if you guys knew me before, then hello. And if you're just learning about me now, I hope that you enjoyed the conversation. Very good. You're you're a pro. I think you're trying to take over this podcast, but it's okay. Um, I'll allow it for today. <laughs> um, Alicia, this has been great. I appreciate the time. Uh, good luck with everything. Stay safe. And maybe we'll do it again soon. Yeah, thank you so much, Chase. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.